If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today I've got Erica Christie with me as we interview Nathaniel Bloom about his work on the CNN documentary series 1968. Among other things in his career, such as his amazing work with Blake Neely on The Flash and Crisis on Earth X. We'll discuss those things with him along with some of the projects he's working on. We'll also share some of the music he's composed to share with all of you. I hope you enjoy it. It's all today on Soundtrack Alley. Welcome to Soundtrack Alley. Erica, it's great to have you here again. Thank you so much, Randy. I always love to be on whenever I can. Yeah, so today we have some really exciting stuff. We have an interview with Nathaniel Bloom, the composer that scored a lot of these different documentary series, such as the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, and then the most current one is 1968. Erica, what are your impressions of some of Nathaniel's music before we play this amazing interview? Uh, I think I think he does a really good job of kind of balancing doing traditional scoring for something and then yet still giving you some like really exciting elements um like he, like a lot of his music there's always you know different instruments that are fighting for dominance um and in in because a lot of what he's doing is documentary on screen there's always a lot of things that are kind of fighting for dominance uh so yeah i think he sometimes it's a little more traditional sometimes it's a little crazier he kind of goes back and forth and it just seems like he has a lot of fun with that yeah, I I think it's really neat the way he he changes up his music uh, to whatever like genre that he's working on, and I I really like that as well. So so without further ado, let's go ahead and play this interview. Um, I'm uh, my co-host here is Erica Christie. Okay. Erica, say hi. Hello. <laughs> um, so what my podcast is, is Soundtrack Alley. And um, I just have, you know, a few questions for you today. Yeah. I had the opportunity. I was able to finally get a chance to watch at least one hour 
of the 1968 documentary. Right. It was really fascinating to learn, and the part that that I watched was in regard to Robert Kennedy dying, like getting shot, and it was at a party, and that's what blew me away was that it was in the middle of everything, and and it's like, why did they kill him? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, who you know? I, I didn't even learn who actually fired the bullet and where it came from. And yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, so you probably saw the second episode, Spring, um, when that happened. Yeah, and there, that was really kind of more, I guess, focused on the devastation of the assassination and the mood of the country um, and what it did to, to the mood of the country, I should say, um, instead of kind of the who, what, um, why and 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 the investigation of that whole thing oh yeah yeah definitely. yeah yeah it was a really really moving episode not a yeah I did. <laughs> Go it's ahead. Just, it was not a pick-me-up kind of a downer episode <laughs> yeah it was there was a lot of um negative things that were coming along in that episode and it was kind of scary to see because there was so much uh, like the whole college and the the sort of the it's like a picketing of what was going on for the Vietnam rights and or you know the yeah whole, uh, protesting thing regarding Vietnam right. and uh, really uh, one of the the first questions I I really wanted to ask you was how did you really get focused on a lot of these documentary uh, programs? Uh, it, uh, it started with Blake on, on the 60s, um, where it started with the, I guess, the Kennedy assassination episode there. Um, and then that turned into a 10-episode series. Um and beyond that, then uh, we we co-wrote on the '70s, and this just became a thing for CNN, uh, packaging these decades documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blake Blake got too busy <laughs> at some point, as as you can tell from uh, his his IMDb and everything he has going on. And uh, yeah. so, fortunately for me, I was kind of able to pick up from there and, uh, and continue on with the eighties and nineties. Uh, and then this just came up last year since, since we were having the 50th anniversary this year of 1968, where they wanted to, uh, just do four episodes and really dig into the details of that year and how, Mm -hmm. how the dynamics of the country shifted. And, uh, that seemed like a great opportunity um, and, uh, I'm really fortunate to have been involved in that as well. Well, that's, that's really good. I, I just found the whole, like the whole hour that I was able to watch. Um, it was really fascinating and I like how you use the music, uh, to really kind of bring out some of the mood of what was going on. Yeah. I had, uh, 
I had done some reading in, in Mark Kurlansky's book, uh, 1968, The Year That Rocked America or the World. Uh, one of those. <laughs> I forget the exact <laughs> title because it's slightly different from the title of the series. And, uh, and then watched some movies from that year, like 2001 A Space Odyssey and uh, Night of the Living Dead and Planet of the Apes and uh, just kind of tried to put myself in the headspace of someone who was living in that year and witnessing all these events and what the culture was like uh, and tried to channel that into the music as well. Even though the approach musically was similar to that of the Decade series in that it was um, meant to be a, a timeless orchestral approach as opposed to music that you would hear in 1968. Yeah, yeah. That makes yeah, sense. but with with it being just one year, uh, it was, <clears throat> like in the Decade series, you know, we're jumping around all the time, but being in the same year, we could follow characters through that year. So, you know, Nixon went through the whole thing, and LBJ, and um, they all had themes and they would be treated differently for the different moods throughout the year. And that was a lot of fun to dig into as well. Yeah, I imagine. Cause I mean, I wanted to get in on the, uh, Nixon part mm-hmm. and going further through that. But, um, by the time I got home from work on Monday evening, it was, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So I never had a chance to actually dig into that, um, but I really wanted to. It yeah. was a really fascinating program. Yeah, hopefully they just you know rerun them quite a bit for a while. <laughs> we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're available yeah. for streaming yet anywhere. But. Well, because I was able to watch it on a web page just like it was broadcast. Okay, live. yeah. So, I mean, that was... That was a unique way of watching it, and I mean, you know, they had the commercials and everything, so you know, it worked. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things, um, as with the, the the podcast, as we are recording now, um, I wanted to ask you about your career work with Blake Neely on specifically, say, The Flash, and uh, how did you begin working with? Uh, Uh, So I was in on the pilot uh, on that series. Um, I guess my my progression with Blake uh, originated as his assistant, me being fresh out of school at USC, and um, graduated more and more writing, and now I'm just sort of a a co-writer on on the shows, and uh, so the flash kind of started out in that mid middle territory where, uh, I, w- I was his assistant, but I was also writing and, uh, in on the pilot there, I got to write a handful of cues and, um, it, the pilot itself got to be recorded with a large orchestra, which was amazing. Uh, and a lot of fun kind of set the tone for the series there. Um, and then I think due to, uh, budgetary restrictions the rest of the show has been uh just on the computer or in the box as we say um yeah but 
Yeah, so I started doing that kind of thing for each episode, and uh, this last year then uh, it turned into a bigger role where I'm co-credited with them and we split the responsibility. So, you know, it's a lot more music and um, involvement with the uh, the producers and showrunner and making sure we're, we're capturing the tone that they want and and uh yeah so it's it's a very rewarding journey there on that and i happen to be a big fan of the show too so it's fun. good <laughs> have you have you That's enjoyed oh sorry sorry randy have you enjoyed being Go able ahead. to focus on one show and do a bigger role rather than a smaller role on a bunch of shows yes i <laughs> i enjoy that a lot more um it it made me a little sad because i I like the other shows too, uh, so you know now I don't get to be involved in Supergirl and Legends and you know the craziness that happens on those shows. Uh, so it's a little bit of an adjustment, but in the end, I, I do like it better. I, I like being able to uh, feel more responsible for a particular show as as opposed to just touching all of the others. But it worked out pretty well still this year because uh, the four of us that are here at Blake's studio all did the crossover um, crisis on earth X. So at that point then um, I got to be, you know, back on Supergirl <laughs> and Arrow. Um, so it, yeah, I, I would say I, I do like that a lot better. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that's, that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you did, now I'm jumping back to the documentary <laughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, with, with your documentary series that you did, like you did the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, um, how did you find your sound for each of those decade documentaries? Yeah, I, I would say the sound isn't that different for each of those because uh, we decided from the get-go with the producers on the show it, when we were doing the 60s that, that we were not going to try to uh, use instruments of the time and, um, and musical genres of the time. Uh, and rather, we would just approach it as... A, a timeless orchestral piece. And so each of the decades really takes that approach. There might be slight variations here and there, uh, but it, was, it, it wasn't it was more of capturing the sound of the decade as instead of capturing the tone of what was going on at the time. Okay. So the episodes that are about TV, for instance, they usually do a double episode for that now. Um, a lot of that music may may kind of evoke the the shows that are being presented, but we're not trying to sound like music of the show. Uh, and then likewise, it, there's been technology episodes, and, and a lot of things are kind of more upbeat there. Um, so... Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a particular sound for each decade. Okay. 
Oh, well, that makes sense, though. I mean, you know, when you're going for a more orchestral way of presenting the information and uh, trying to maybe sometimes bring out a little bit more drama yeah. uh, to uh, the episode to kind of evoke some emotion yeah. uh, for the things that are going and on. And I think it also kind of makes all of the Decades series feel like one piece as opposed to um, it, you know, being very sectionalized. It ties That's together, good. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, now this is just me asking, okay. <laughs> how have you gotten to, like, interact with Tom Hanks? Since he's the producer of 1960, unfortunately, I've not been in the same room. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I wish, uh, but yeah, he I, he does his screenings and and gives notes uh, separate from myself. Unfortunately, the only time I've been in the same room with him was back when um, when I was working on the Pacific with Blake. I was an orchestrator on that series. And he came to one of the recording sessions. Uh, that was quite the experience. Yeah, he's he's everything that you've read about him. Just I, <laughs> well, that's awesome, yeah. though. I mean, I just I was curious since he is the producer of the show, um, he would have more of an involvement as to like the type of tone that he's maybe looking for for the series. <laughs> Uh, has he given you any direction, like through notes or something, through what he's looking for through that series? Uh, not directly, no. Uh, he and his producing partner, Gary Getzman, I think they both sort of uh, steer the ship in terms of tone. And then that trickles down to um, everyone at Herzog Company who produces the show as well. Uh, so Mark Herzog will collaborate with them. And then that comes down to the showrunner who, um, as of recent has been Dave Rivera. And I usually get all of my information from him. Um, so okay. I, I, and I usually don't know, did this come from Tom, Gary, Mark? <laughs> it's just, uh, this is where we're going with this. And let's try to accommodate that musically. Well, that's, that's good, though. At least you know the direction in which you're yeah. going. Because <laughs> otherwise you could have been uh, lost. <laughs> right. um, did you have to do some research uh, before you got into uh, actually composing for the documentary 1968? Did you, did you have to look at some of the events that happened in that year? to kind of get an idea of where you thought it may go? Uh, I did a little bit. Um, as, as I mentioned about reading um, the Mark Kurlansky book, 1968, and uh, watching some of the movies of the time, listening to some of the music. Um, outside of that, I just kind of really wanted to see how the footage was compiled and the narrative that they were telling through the footage, and then I can really decide how music can help enhance that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it was really more footage-based um, 
rather than my own research. Did you get to see any dailies, or did you not start composing until, like, picture was locked? I, I got to see some early stuff, I would say maybe a month or two ahead of the locks, and it was really just to get an idea for the mood. Um, and I did, I did write a couple of pieces at that time, uh, just kind of based on that footage. But I, I really didn't start in earnest until footage was locked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that is really good. So, um, when you when you go into composing for a documentary series in general, um, what is the process that you use? when you're focusing on either just that one year or just that, that decade of a series of, what is your process? Um, well, in, in terms of the decade series, I, I have a base to start from now because there's a, there's a history of how we've approached the show in general. And, um, so that's been a good, a good way to start there. Um, otherwise it's just kind of maybe through use of temp music, maybe through talking about things. As I said, I'd written a couple of pieces for 1968 early and sent them over. We talked about them, uh, how they could be used and, and the, the mood that was being presented. And then I could kind of use that as a, as a leaping point to do the rest of the score. But sometimes it's just a lot of trial and error, too. Um, Mm. I could think that a particular act is is portraying one emotion, and and I could think that the music uh, is doing its job, but when they look at it, they don't feel the same feelings, you know. (laughs) uh, It's ultimately about presenting Mm -hmm. the, the project as a whole, uh, the way they want to feel it too. So if if they don't, if they're not getting the right mood, then I have to go back to the drawing board and say, oh, well, why are they reading it this way, and make those changes. Well, that's that's good to know too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's a question that I like to ask all the composers that I have interviewed: um, if you had a dream job. For composing for a large production from the past or the present, what would it be and why? Past or uh, present. Wow. Um, I, I get that a I, lot. I, <laughs> I love <yeah>. it. <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, but I think I would have to say it, since... You know, Disney's pumping out all of these Star Wars films, and uh, and John Williams is sticking to the the saga series. I, I would absolutely love to do one of the standalone films for sure. That would be a dream job. Um, awesome. Aside from that, uh, Pixar love Pixar movies. I there's a lot of opportunity with with big animated projects like that, that, that tell emotional stories. Um, that would be another dream job for sure. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, cause sometimes you really wonder, um, 
Are you a person that looks for more uh, to challenge yourself through emotional writing, or do you try to look for something like a big action production or a uh, drama production? You know, what 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 course do you like to set for yourself? I like both, uh, but. I mean, I've always kind of tended more toward action. I, I love to do action scenes, and uh, it really, you know, gets the blood flowing, and <laughs> it's just, you know, using sort of raw adrenaline sometimes, but doing that all the time is pretty draining, as you can imagine. <laughs> so that's that's why a show like The Flash is perfect, because uh, you mm-hmm. you run the gamut in terms of action and emotion and uh, everything that's going on there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I I really like it all. And if it wasn't mixed up, then I think I would probably go insane doing the same thing all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine so. I imagine so. So that's good. Um, you know, to have a to have a course. Uh, so which do you prefer? Do you prefer a large orchestra or a small one? That would really depend on the end goal, I guess, uh, and the project. It, but, for, for instance, on 1968, it was a small orchestra. Uh, I recorded 19 string players for that and then had uh, piano and various percussion that uh, that all came out of the box, um, and I think that was perfect for that series. Uh, even though there were big dramatic events that were happening, uh, it could be it could be told with a little bit more intimate orchestra. Um, but yeah, something like the Flash, though, you need. There's a lot going on. It's dense. The big orchestra. Uh, punches through the action scenes, and um, so that's kind of more appropriate for that project. Well, that's good. But here, here's another question I have in regard to like the the Flash stuff. Now, do you guys actually go and have an orchestra actually record a lot of that, or is it more done on the computer for Flash specifically? Yeah, it's it's on the computer. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was okay. just the pilot that we were that we were able to record, and then uh, for the crossover this year, uh, Crisis on Earth X, that was all recorded. We, we had an oh, orchestra okay. for that, but That's typically cool. on the episodes, it's not. Okay. Have you have you done any um, any concert work? Not in a while. <laughs> I love doing that, but I've been so busy. This stuff uh, that um, it, yeah, it, that's a nice nice way to exercise, you know, a, a different part of the brain. But uh, I just haven't had time in the last ten years, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, keeping busy is is always Definitely. a plus. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, okay, so one of the questions I had was in regard to um, how do you feel about when uh, well let's see when Shakespeare High was chosen to be part of the Tribeca Film Festival yeah that that was 
a really cool experience. <laughs> you know, one of my highlights uh, where I got to fly out to New York and attend a screening with with all of my producing partners on that and, uh, and pull up to the theater and, you know, Robert De Niro's out front greeting people. <laughs> it's just like, where am I? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, it was really well received there. Um, I, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved working on that as well. And then Showtime, it bought it and, and uh, it played on Showtime for a while, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's shown up on there anytime recently. Oh, yeah, it, it really just kind of blossomed from this small project into something a lot bigger fairly quickly. Um, it was really cool to see that happen. That's pretty cool. I mean, it just it was a unique uh, film festival. I hadn't heard of that one mm. yet um and i was like wow that's that's pretty cool yeah. uh so um one of the questions i have is do you have any future projects that you're currently working on the two- that you can tell us uh, yes <laughs> so i can tell you i'm in the middle of yeah. the 2000s right now oh, okay. uh, All right. and that'll be uh from 2000 to 2009 10 yeah in there and then I think uh, we will have caught up on that, so there may be a little hiatus. <laughs> we've been we've been doing these year by year, uh, so I'm not sure what's what's coming down the pipeline from Herzog, and it, like whether they're going to do another one that focuses on a specific year like 1968. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, otherwise, the Flash is coming back. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the 2000s will take me through the summer, and then the flash starts back up in September. All right. Well, that's you know that's busy work, and you can you can know. Hey, I'm still providing for my <laughs> right. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. Uh, that's all the questions I have for you. It's been a real pleasure to be able to interview you. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing more of your music. And uh, now, do you have an idea when the 2000s will be actually released? Or Oh, there is an air date, and I really should know that. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I want to say <laughs> I just was mid-July. Okay, all right. Will it be on CNN like yes. the others? Or? Yes. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It's been thank really you. great to interview you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah. Well, you have a good afternoon. I, I'm sure you're a very busy composer, and thank you for taking this time out of your busy schedule. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, so, thank you so right. much. Have a good day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, so Erica, what are your thoughts regarding some of Nathaniel's background with music and how he has shaped some work through the documentary world as well as the Flash television series? I know that's a lot to take in. Um, 
Randy, to be honest, I don't remember specifically what he said about that, so I don't know if I can answer. Why don't you ask yourself that question? <laughs> well, for also, me, I haven't. I also haven't seen the Flash TV show, so it's a little hard for me oh, to answer okay. that. So, all right. Yeah. Well, for me, I think the, especially the first season of the Flash, um, Nathaniel Bloom he collaborated with Blake Neely on a lot of the themes and a lot of the uh, and you really get it like even with the first episode you get like this high energy uh music that's like a t- ton of action and and you get ba- your basic formula for what the flash is going to be for that entire series and it's still going and that's what's great um the flash is still going it's still being made we we're still getting some unique elements of the music in it. And uh, one thing that I really like about uh, Nathaniel's work on documentary series is how he gets this, like, drama, like, drama type of music into the documentary to really kind of, like, draw people in to the, the program. And... I found that with even watching the 1968 um, documentary. And I mean, I only watched an hour of it, but it really impacted like how I felt with the music that was going on in the background, along with like what was going on with the interviews and different things like that. So I, I'd have to say I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he did mention a couple times that uh, even when he was doing the different years, like the documentaries, he wasn't copying the style of the music from that time. Like he kept using the word timeless, like he wanted his music to feel timeless. And that's kind of what you were saying is that mm-hmm. you always you had all these like, you know, emotions in you every time you would listen to his music. And I think that means he accomplished what he was going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like one example was the... Um... The riots that happened at that university uh, in 1968 during the Vietnam protest. And police were, like, hitting students, and it was very violent. And the students weren't doing anything. Mm-hmm. They were protesting, but they were being very nonviolent about it. And the only ones that were actually being violent about it were the police. Mm-hmm. Go figure. So... So today what I'd like to do is present some different uh, themes of music uh, for Nathaniel's music. Uh, I've got three different suites. first one is from the most recent documentary series called 1968. So the cue titles are Over the Edge, The Struggles Abroad and at Home, and Chaos Inside and Out. Erica, what are your thoughts regarding these? Uh, For the first one, Over the Edge, uh, what I liked the most was that uh, the tempos, all the tempos in the piece, and they're all constantly fighting each other for dominance. Like like each, you know, different musical group wanted to be in charge, and all the other ones were always fighting with them. Um, And it felt like uh, Nathaniel didn't want you to get bored, because every time you'd kind of get into a lull, like, oh yeah, I kind of know, you know, what what the feeling of this little part is, he'd change it up. Uh, So it was just this constantly, like, 
changing tempos, evolving uh, song that you just, you never quite got your footing under you because he was always like throwing these things at you. Um, and for the last one, the chaos inside and out, I, I like the whole piece, but I especially like the last 45 seconds. Um, you had all these, you know, short staccato notes with the violins and it just kept building up uneasiness and uneasiness. And then it just ended. And it was like, Oh, (laughs) you just kind of like, you brought us to like this point where we thought something was going to happen. And then you just kind of let us down. So it, it just, it was so much fun, like listening to Mm -hmm. that whole track. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I really like the um, the one that's the struggles abroad and at home because it gives you kind of that like balance. There's there's a there's an interesting balance with that piece that there's the overly dramatic and then there's the real quiet and then it builds up again and you know I like it. I, I think that's a really mm. well done piece. <laughs> so. So why don't we um, go ahead and uh, play that. Um, First of all, like one of the things I really noticed uh, in The Struggles Abroad, uh, one thing I liked about it was the violin and how it shows the dramatic feels toward the events that actually happened during that specific year. So I, I just really appreciated that. So... Let's go ahead Mm -hmm. and play that suite. Thank you. 
All right, so next, we're going to play a suite of music from his work on a television show called Deception. Uh, It got cut short because of ratings. Uh, The cues I'll play are Deception Team Set, Forced Perspective, and Mile High Club. Uh, Erica, what are your thoughts toward these cues? Considering this was a very dramatic, Um... like... (laughs) <laughs> Not really a teen drama, but it was more of a, um, I don't know, a 90210 type show. Mm, yeah, uh, overly dramatic was a pretty good yeah. explanation for for what this one is like. Um, I especially liked the middle one, Force Perspective. Uh, and what I liked the most was that he had like these three different levels going on. There was the like frenetic melody being kind of played across like the whole top of the track that just kind of did its thing the whole time. There's like the deep swells across the bottom that sort of, you know, ebbed and flowed uh, in and out of the song. And then there was like this uh, rhythm section that was like really quick. And it was just kind of also sort of like like three cars all <laughs> driving in their own lanes going in the same direction, but they're all doing like completely yeah. different things. And I kind of like that you could feel all three of those different levels, but you could also hear how they mm-hmm. work together. So, yeah, I think that, that of the three, that's the one that I like I the think most. I would have to agree. Um, I mean, I do like the percussion percussion uh for team set and even forced perspective uh with (laughs) with mile high club it gave us like this intense suspense uh like it felt like there was this grand reveal uh in the music uh so it's kind of funny in that way (laughs) so and i think maybe the (laughs) the title of the cue uh, might give something away. So, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen the show. I don't even know what it's about. So, uh, But let's go ahead and play those cues.
All right, so sadly, we've come down to another end of Soundtrack Alley. I'd like to thank Alexander Shebel for composing Soundtrack Alley's theme music. Uh, you can find his work at xanderscores.com. I'd also like to thank Nathaniel Bloom for the fantastic interview we were able to do. And I truly want to thank you, Erica, for being able to be a part of that interview. It really added some things to the interview, and I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. and, you know, Nathaniel Bloom's music, he's, he's a great composer, really nice guy, and down-to-earth, and so there's a few tracks I'd like to play to end the show today. Um, lastly, we'll play a suite of music for Crisis on Earth X. Now, Nathaniel talked about this music, that it was kind of a combination of all three of the CW superhero shows that were going on. With, the, with Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl. Oh, and Legends of Tomorrow. It combined four different elements of four different shows into one program. And it was like a two-part movie, more or less. So so the, the pieces I'll play are The Sides Meet, Nazi Brawl, and Kick Some Ass. So Erica, what are your thoughts on these cues? Uh, yeah, for the first one, the sides meet. Um, the whole track to me kind of felt uh, like someone who was preparing for battle. It was very methodical. It kind of was working at its own pace. And it was like, you know, both sides and everybody's like kind of getting their gear together. Kind of, you know, thinking through in your head, you know, what are my buddies going to do? Where are we going to go? Like, wh what's at stake? Like, it was just kind of plodding along, uh, you know, you mentally kind of thinking what you have to do. Um, and then it jumps forward to Nazi Brawl, which is despite the name is a very fun track yeah. <laughs> so, um, has a nice driving tempo it's adventurous and scary and exciting um, and there's a few like you know discordant kind of themes and moments mm -hmm. in the song and it just kind of makes you think that things are about to go sideways at any moment <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's what I really like too I, I like these action cues and how it shows even like the whole CW DC Universe uh, comes together with these four different shows, and it's really awesome how it all blends together. Uh, so, Erica, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, the best place would be at my website, which is ericachristie.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E.com, and you can find videos and photos and pretty much all of my craziness all right. on there. Well, you can find me on Facebook, Stitcher, Google Play. There's some there's a new thing now uh, with Google Play. It's actually Google Podcasts. You can get it as an app now and it's being controlled by Apple Podcasts for some strange reason. I found that interesting. Mm. Uh, and so mm -hmm. you can find me on there. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Twitter, at Soundtrack Alley and email me soundtrackalley at yahoo.com so let's play this music and until next time happy listening
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take the time to review my podcast on iTunes or even listen to it on Podbean. With your review, it helps me get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com.